Back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, here at the record company in Boston, Massachusetts, with our musical guest, Steve Smith. Hello. And Steve is going to be joined by several of his friends throughout the show, and one of them is with us right now in the studio. His name is Anthony Safri. Am I pronouncing that right? You are indeed, yeah. Not Safari. Well, you can choose. Ah. Everyone's <laughs> giving me choices. Don't give me choices. You're so uh, polite. It's pronounced both ways. Uh, if I Because s- of the accents? You'd, you're used to... With Boston, when you're in Boston, all everything goes out the window in terms of pronunciations. It does. It's an interesting combination of sort of Irish, a little bit of English... Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I've studied it a lot. So how do you and Mr. Smith know each other? Um, well, I'd say the thing there was the, uh, the, the conduit, I suppose, is, uh, is Jamie, right? Yeah, we, uh, so I have a friend that I grew up with in London. This is completely random. And um, <clears throat> he grew up very close to me. I never knew him when he lived in England. I knew who he was. I knew his brother better because his brother was actually a guitarist in my first band. Which was? Uh, a band called Higher Ground. <clears throat> obviously named after Stevie Wonder's song. Um, we was this funk outfit in the, in the early 90s, funk, stroke, electronic. Um, and anyway, so my guitarist in the band at the time, his brother, Jamie, who I knew was around, he never used to come to the shows, he wasn't really into music, moved to America. When he got to America, he was fr- became friends with other friends of mine that had left the UK and that kind of expat community all kind of got together. And he was working in this fantastic restaurant in the North End here. I don't know if anybody's ever been to the North End. It's, it, it actually does feel as close to Italy as, as possible. And he was working in that restaurant, and Anthony was in the restaurant, and and Jamie was, oh, you're, you're British as well. He went, yeah, and he went, what do you do for a living? And Anthony says he's a musician. He says, oh, my friend Steve's a musician. And uh, it, it literally was as random at that. And we, we got phone numbers and went and met because we, we knew I knew Anthony's band, his fantastic band called Corner Shop. Um, you know, I was a massive fan. And, uh, you know, we just been working together ever since then. Working together how? On what projects? As, uh, as What instrument do you play, Anthony? Um, firstly, uh, guitar. Yeah. And then I got a fascination 
uh, with the sitar and through a couple of records, not including George Harrison, but not necessarily George Harrison, and uh, particularly one of the Shankar family called Nanda Shankar. And I was obsessed with his records, vinyl, mm -hmm. and thought I've got to play something that I've got to play, find one, which is very hard at the time, you know, pre how we'd go about it today. Like no internet. No right. internet, and you, you know, as uh, you just did as a what would I be like 20, 21, you just wouldn't know where to start. Who do right. you ask? Don't go to guitar shops, just go like, oh no. And uh, so that's kind of like a you know, a factor that you know is just an interesting thing that this sitar plays such a part of my life. But that's my second instrument, so. Mm -hmm. What did you, how did you, uh, how did you manage to find it? Um, Eventually. very interestingly, I guess, is that in, uh, in England, there's a lot of markets different than farmers markets here that they're, they're markets that sell all sorts of stuff, uh, like, you know, kitchenware, brushes, uh, and there's one guy on a the market, they were Sikhs and they, they sold, uh, carved wooden boxes and all that type of stuff. And uh, I've be already been to a mosque to ask them, which I mean, I was now today, I know, but that's not likely to be fruitful. I've been, you know, tried everything, but I went to uh, these two Sikhs and they went, okay, yeah, yeah, my brother-in-law, he's in Birmingham. He, I'm sure he's got them in his shop. They, they really helped me out. And I went to his shop and bought a sitar and uh, brought it home and then realized that uh, I couldn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> there was no uh, winging it in the sense that, you know, I could play guitar proficiently then, but there was no, I knew that there was rules and it was a classical instrument and it had to be executed a certain way, or you just can't hold it. Right. And uh, then I went to um, the Royal College of Music, I think in Manchester, and I went and had lessons, did it, you know, by the book. How many did you like? Was it years before you were? I think it was a year. Like, I mean, it's. I think I went to. It was like a night school, and so yeah. I went there, and I was taught by a Sikh. But the uh, the uh, the class was, you know, there would be. It was a good lesson because there'd be like Muslim kids coming in saying, "Is it okay?" Because typically it's Northern Indian classical music, tabla, um, and the sitar or other instruments, and it's very almost highbrow and so people would be like was well, it okay for me to do this my teacher was great and he said no everyone you know everyone come and do something and uh but i was only the only english person there actually you know english as in a lot of people had just moved there and stuff like that and what this would have been what years like um about 84 85 right and uh and then he was my sitar teacher was like oh you, you know you've learned go and, go and do something cool with it Sweet, and so you've been playing. You, so, you, so you get sitar gigs now, people? Um, not really, no, because I actually record music. So I wasn't about, wasn't about. I'm in a band, play and performed for many years, toured and stuff like that. But prior to all of that, I was always more interested in recording, and that, that's what I did as a 15, 16 year old with my guitar. I was like messing around, taking cassette decks apart and reel to reels, trying to figure out how to mm -hmm. make delays. That's where my my uh, my head was. And is that where the two of you, you've worked as engineer, producer, songwriter, performer, like is that how you've collaborated? Pretty, pretty much all yeah. of that stuff, uh, you know, on all of those levels. Anthony's produced music that I've released, uh, he's played on music that I've released, he's played on shows that I've done. Your solo or different projects, yeah. Dirty Vegas? So, like... Solo projects and then projects that Anthony's been working on, he's got me in to play percussion and harmonies on various things you know, everything from Portugal to Man, 
Uh, one of the first sessions we ever did was with Evan Dando, wasn't it? Yeah, Lemonheads. Yeah, the Lemonheads albums. So that's something we haven't really gotten into. So Steve, he's featured here as a songwriter, but he's also a much-in-demand percussionist for bands like wow. Squeeze and Portugal The Man and who else? And uh, you were saying also The English Beat? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, you know, some bands that uh, to me is like, of course everyone's heard of. Actually, I just heard of Portugal The Man last week, so. <laughs> They've had a very successful song this year. You probably heard Oh, no, yeah, I have a friend who's going to be in later who's a, who's a big fan and was playing me their music, and they sound, yeah, it's, it's epic. Epic They're stuff. very, very nice people. A very interesting band. If you watch, if you listen back to their back catalogue and where they're at today, it's a very interesting journey to listen to. And you, you engineered or produced that? Um, I yeah, I produced two albums. Really? That were maybe like three albums ago. Crazy so. synchronicity. I mean, literally the week before, like a few days before I came to Boston, I, I uh, was hanging out with this friend who's going to be joining us, who was a big fan of my band, and we were just reconnecting, and they were just. Actually, I went over to play to like play my test pressing of my new record on their record player, and they just played me Portugal all night long, which was good because you know how it is. It's all fraught with peril when you play music that you created for somebody. You kind of want them to hear it, but you kind of don't want to be there. Yeah. It's a very painful process. So we ended up listening to Portugal the Man all evening, and then I just left them with the with the test pressing. But uh, it's great music. Great. And then, I, but then I just show up here, and I see oh, Portugal the Man is playing in Boston, but I can't go see him because we were recording Katie Jones. And then I look on Facebook that night, and there's Steve <laughs> shaking his <laughs> percussion and just like so great playing with Portugal the Man. I'm like, whoa, what is it with this band? They're yeah, just they're and everywhere. now. You produce them? It's just crazy. we got to get them on the show sometime. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, God, we, we could just go down many rabbit holes, but uh, this is all this is a musical uh, pop oracle divination format. So, why don't we get into your question? What is your question for the pop oracle, Anthony? Well, it's uh, one I've been thinking about a little time, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I think the question would be, is what is you know what is the future of music and i can qualify that beyond that yeah please do so how will people um how will they will they want to listen to albums will they just be interested in 30 seconds of uh, of a single and no more than that you know a 3 minute song how will they will they ever buy it again you know there's there's a small contingent of sales which are vinyl maybe even cassette but will they buy it in a bigger way again and you know i guess the other thing there will be is will will there be like a fair pay for musicians and writers in this paradigm so what will the future of music be and particularly i guess you're in in the market like in, in, market. in terms of how people consume it and how people make a living off of it yeah okay well now to engage the pop oracle you get to spin the wheel of eight Na 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 We love eight Song number seven This Town Anthony played and produced on this and the funny story connected to this song is that um yeah, what a funny <laughs> We uh JJ who's the next guest 
was in a furniture store in Cambridge, and if I remember rightly, she bumped into the actor John Savage from The Deer Hunter. Oh, yeah. And um, on this particular song, I'd been talking to Anthony, I went, it'd be really nice to get kind of a monologue from, uh, you know, like an actor with a with a voice, and we're thinking, yeah, 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 but, you know, it cut, the idea went away. Then the day before we started the recording the album... She bumped into John Savage. She said, my husband's working on an album tomorrow. You wouldn't come in and say a few words, would you? And he came in and he said uh, this unbelievable kind of... I asked him questions and he, and the answers that came back were just from a different planet. It was just incredible and it's, it's on the recorded version of this. Oh. I, I can't do what he says on it, but you'll have to check the song out. It's called This Town and uh, um, the album's of the same name because the... All, all what John done was so incredible. Yeah, oh, wow. Defining, it was amazing, absolutely amazing moments. He's a very profound man, and uh, it was the whole... It was like over two days was... He, he's... It's someone follow his work. <laughs> OK, now, I guess i got to say, so, Steve... Yeah. What, did you invite John Savage to be on the show? No. I've lost contact. Oh, Sadly, yeah. I don't know where he is or, or, you know... It would have been great to have him as a I guest. I know, I know, that would okay. have been, especially, especially with a song. That's OK, don't worry. No, this is... So, but the, let's go back to the... So the, that this is song number seven. It's the answer to Anthony's question, the future of music in the marketplace and how people consume it and how people get paid for it. Yep. Lay it on us. This town. Build me up and knock me down Write the words on the ground Put a smile on my face Take away it off today Keep the man while he's down Get no tears from me If I'm smart, then I'll see There's nothing left here for me In this town In this town Different name, different place Disappear without a trace My life day to day, get a job to make it pay. Find a place to call my home, Santiago de Leon Road. So where the streets are all so pretty, can you hear me? Yeah, this town 
This Town, from Steve Smith, the answer to Anthony's question, what is the future of music as far as its consumption and the sustainability of it as a, as a sustaining enterprise for the people who do it? So, Steve, you told us a really cool story at the beginning about the John Savage and how you all worked on this song together. So there's already kind of this fun synchronicity. But can you tell us a little bit more about like maybe the inspiration of where you were, is it is this is Boston this town or what's this town that you're talking about? Well, it could be anywhere. You know, for anybody that that has that yearning or that feeling of um, leaving the place where they're at at that moment in their lives is, you know, I think it's something that goes through most people's heads in all walks of life. Of, you know, I wish I was here. Or I wish I could just get out of here. Or I wish I could go there. Um, and we all dream of that, right? I mean, we've we've if, you know, personally for me, being a musician, I'm very lucky that I get to travel and, you know, played places I never dreamed I'd ever go to, you know. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've been, you know, stuck behind cattle in India, you know, trying to get to a gig to playing on beautiful, you know, paradise islands, you know, to Hawaii and, and Thailand and Bali and um, Cayman Islands and places like that and... You know, you get to experience the other side of it. Most people spend, you know, they have a job where they're at and, and you know, the large percentage of us are in that thing where we save this money or we have this money to go to this place and it's so valuable that time when we get there. My thing with with, with this song was it's kind of the, the opposite for me that uh, being fortunate with music, personally, I can, I can go anywhere in the world and, and, and probably you know, fine work, whether that's playing in a bar or, you know, seeing who's, you know, what what kind of local scene there is with, with music and, and stuff. I mean, the, my whole thing, I came to Boston, I didn't have a record contract here. I, I was just, we'd just been, um, the band I was with, Dirty Vegas, we'd finished, we'd, we'd split. So that ended our contract with Capitol Records here in the States and... I just came here because I just had this feeling to come here and then, then met people like Anthony and the musicians that I've worked with ever since. And um, we all recorded at this great studio called Camp Street, which was a fantastic place, absolutely amazing studio to work at and in this environment to to music, you know, music. Unfortunately, you know, it was at that cusp of what was happening with, you know, the digital revolution with music and mm-hmm. uh, bringing this kind of background to Anthony's question of, like, it... it you know, studios had this long flow of labels, independents or majors sending artists into great studios like Camp Street and um, that's all completely changed now. That's, you know, that whole, 
that whole structure, that whole kind of workplace is gone and uh, to, mm -hmm. to, for, for most parts. Um, and I do, you know, I, that, I often wonder, you know, if I wasn't touring, then certainly how it's been in the last 10 years would be very troublesome. And unfortunately, a lot of musicians and people that we know, writers especially, uh, have not been able to sustain their careers in music. So... Well, what did you think? You're familiar with the song, obviously, Anthony. I am indeed. Yeah. So, were there any lines in particular that either uh, that spoke that you felt like spoke to that question? Spoke to the question. Let me think. Um, Get a job to make it pay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in because I have some ideas. I, first of all, because the story is about a musician who's traveling the world and making a living at it, I think that there's what it makes me think of is that. There are always going to be musicians who are successful. There, basically, I think there's always going to be musicians who are deserving who are successful. There are always going to be musicians who are undeserving who are successful. There are always going to be musicians who are deserving who are unsuccessful, and vice versa. You know yeah. that in any in any era, there are going to be people who make the connections, who have the luck and the talent to make it happen. And then there are going to be people who you know who you're like, you're just scratching your head. It's like, why isn't this guy, why isn't everybody listening to this guy? Why is, you know, why is Portugal the man, Portugal the man, and your favorite band from your hometown that you think are as good as anyone can't even get a gig outside of your town? And it's, it's not a judgment of Portugal the man. It's just this, I feel like it's kind of this thing that no matter where you are as an artist in the world, it's a rough gig <laughs> at any time. I remember the 80s. I was around in the 80s when people, when the record industry was still working. There was still a lot of really, I thought, you know, just like the people were saying the same thing, but for different reasons. It was drum machines at that point. It was drum machines. and Will there ever be people playing with real instruments again? Because everyone's into drum machines and synthesizers and haircuts. Or they're just into the Sunset Strip, Guns, guns and Roses, blah, blah. like the, Whatever the pop thing is, is rarely all-encompassing. So I feel like this song has both that sense of, like, there's always going to, wherever you are at any time, there's always going to be musicians who are really good, who are out there making it, and someone wondering why that isn't me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's any, it's, it's because of the internet. It's because of this, you know, and we know, like, the economy has changed a lot, but in a way it's also opened up a lot. There aren't the gatekeepers. It's not up to Capitol Records to decide. You know, if you get a, if you have a YouTube with three million views, Capitol Records is going to perk, perk up and notice because you did, you were doing something that got people's attention. And if you're a great musician and there's a hot and up and coming band, then they need someone who can play a bass part or record them or play a percussion part or sing a harmony. There's going to be a gig for you. Like you said, you could be anywhere and you'd get a gig. You feel that kind of confidence in your talent, and you've, yeah, that probably comes from personal experience because you've gone from town to town and made a living as a musician, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, I mean, even in that, that's a very, it's a very optimistic thing, again, coming from a very cynical place, that if you're going to be an artist, odds are that you're going to be the one on the outside looking in. Steve's talented and i assume you would probably say somewhere along the line there's some luck that came into play like yeah. you connect you happen to be in the right synchronicity is maybe a better word for it you were in the right place at the right time 
just like John Savage ended up on your record or you met Anthony or somewhere or you met the guys from Dirty Vegas. Can you say what was the was there a turning point for you, Steve, where you went from being on the outside looking in to feel it to like all of a sudden getting calls yeah. to play? Yeah. What was it? Yeah. So, you know, I'd been, you know, mainly always trying to get my own stuff off the ground my own solo stuff and that you know that started to scare me i was getting to 20 late 20s thinking the labels were coming down and they were leaving i was in bands and then i was solo i was always doing sessions so i kind of got to know people at labels and knew who managers were and you know i was working with some some kind of big pop stuff in the in the uk and then i so a session I was booked. I was going to be paid money because I had to pay bills like everybody else. The two guys that I ended up forming Dirty Vegas with were DJs under a different name, working on music, and they wanted me to record a whole day of percussion. They was going to pay me just to bring the timbales and the bongos and the congas. So going, I record with them. We get it all done quickly because I like to work that way, you know. Um, and the music that we were making was club music, so most of it was around 127 BPM, so it wasn't like we was doing 76 BPM and, you know, a range of stuff. So everything was pretty beats much... Beats per minute, folks, just in case yeah, you don't know. Yeah, beats per minute, which is like this... Doot, 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 doot. Yeah. That's close to 128, somewhere around there. So everything was recorded <laughs> at that tempo. A uh, bunch of different patterns. We finish early and the guys are like, you sing as well, don't you? I'm like, yeah, they when you got any songs we could remix. So, bizarrely enough, I'm thinking, well, am I going to... I had my showreel yeah. that I was sending out to the labels, like my demos. I thought, I'm not going to give them song number one because that's special, that's for me. I'm not even going to give them song number two on there. I gave them track five. Mm-hmm. And it was a song called Days Go By. And they sped the whole thing up. They're like, you need to re-record the vocal because at that point you couldn't time stretch it. Right. Um, so I recorded it, 127 BPM, in an SM58 microphone standing in the kitchen. Three days later, they called me up and they went, you better put the radio on tonight because it's going to get played on national TV, uh, national radio by Pete Tong on BBC Radio 1. And that's when the phone just didn't stop ringing. Uh. And within six weeks, we had four major record contracts from labels in the UK and before I knew it, I was on a plane to LA to shoot a video for the first single, and we recorded our first album, and then it tanked. <laughs> it didn't even meet, meet the top 40. And then something else came along. That Christmas, mm-hmm. we got a, a licence request for the song to be used on a Mitsubishi TV commercial here in the USA. Mm-hmm. And our manager went, you don't have a lot of options on the table right now. I'm not sure whether the album's going to come out now that the first single has kind of flunked. So um, I'm like, really? Is that my is that my moment? I put a song on a TV commercial. Anyway, we said yes. Yeah, welcome to the 21st century. Well, we didn't know that at the yeah. time. There's so much stigma about putting songs on commercials. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, nowadays, that every, shows everybody school. does it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, yeah. it's the first thing that you do. Oh, Doritos want to use my song. Yeah. Brilliant. Back then, we're like, oh, no, what do we do? All the, you know, the British music press are going to hate us. So any anyone that knows, you know, what, what checks out what I do or whatever, obviously I'll put that song on that commercial and I probably wouldn't be sitting here now if I didn't. Well, yeah, so that possibility, that so that in a way, again, that goes to this idea, like that is not the route that existed 
when the record industry was different. Like everything constantly is changing and there is no there is no right way to do it. Before we started the show, I was asking, I was talking, I was quoting to you the the line from Dharma Bums about there's no wrong way to fall down a mountain, and then it's sort of like there's no way to have a success, there's no right way to have a successful music career other than to learn how to learn your instrument, but you can't plan that, you can't plan that story. I'm just in a session doing this, and then I end up singing this, and they speed it up, and then it ends up on the radio, and then it takes, and it ends up in a commercial, and now I have a career as a musician that. I, where the phone keeps ringing that's you know it hasn't happened to me yet but <laughs> but and maybe it hasn't happened for you out there but i kind of i always feel like that if you're around someone that something's happened for that means that it's a possibility that you now have that as a real possibility in your life i mean steve's a steve's a cool guy but it's not like he's 10 feet tall no <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no good looks, no talent. It's, oh, no, it's, no, it's just, no, 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 no. Been... He's good. He's got. He's got good looks and talent. He's just. But so do you out there listening? I'm. I'm really because I'm speaking to the listener who's out there thinking, yeah, but he probably. He's probably. You know, his last name's Smith. Who's he related to? Or like, you know, but yeah, no. There's always that. I bet yeah. that's. You know, people. There is people that that like. You know, and I. I you know, that guy's not even a good percussionist or, or whatever. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't. I well, that kind of stuff. I don't even. If you're, if the people you're playing with like what you're doing, the Sex Pistols, three chords. Yeah, and, you know, this is rock and roll exactly. Yeah, just like rock and roll is in three and a half minute bites. We're in, we do this in like twenty to twenty five minute bites. We're coming in on the end. But Anthony, is there are there any projects that or things that you're working on that you'd like to hip our listeners to? Um, is LNV a thing to talk about right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of going in a full circle with the beginning of this is uh, and you might be uh, more in a position to describe the story to it, but the band Higher Ground that Steve mentioned. Now I remember when I was playing around London a lot um, I would see Higher Ground on, I'd just see it around on posters and stuff like that because you're always looking at Pete Band's posters, who's about, that type of thing. You just take it all in. And I would, I would sort of see that around quite a lot. And then going, you know, I know, I know I, Steve's story, but everyone in the band or a version of the band, you know, kind of wanted to get some stuff done. Yeah. And uh, that came to me luckily and i'm you know it's it's fa absolutely fantastic and you know i've worked on a whole i've worked with 19 year olds you know and i i see like a huge always see a huge gamut of possibilities and this is really the the singer is uh his 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 voice that is poetry is really really good so that's like the songs are almost like 90% done if you lmv are, so you can elaborate on that. Yeah, so we, we, we didn't want to go back to, to, to higher ground uh, for a few reasons, and we came up with this uh, new name for the band because it is, even though it's the, the complete original lineup. Lost uh, My Van. I'm thinking of all the things it could be. No, it's Late Night Versions. Oh, LNV. LNV. Okay, yeah. N, LNV. Late Night Versions. Late Night Versions. Not yeah. Late Night Virgins. Which is well, not anymore. Outraged, they're not. They're not. There's none of them around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they're they're uh, they've been tracked in uh, in England, at uh, yeah, we recorded yeah. them at Glen Tilbrook from Squeeze. He has an amazing studio oh. in South London. 
So we recorded the songs there, and Anthony's been producing and mixing those, and um, a very good friend of mine, John Davis, who is a mastering engineer at Metropolis. I mean, he's done everything from Jimmy Page to Florence and the Machines to Liam Gallagher. He's, he's mastering, and it will be available soon. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio April Show. It's a good show.